Welcome to Lockdown Golden Knights. We have the status of some injured players heading into VGK camp. Hi again, everyone. Tony Cardasco along with Chris Golick from Las Vegas. I am at Tony Dasco on Twitter. He is at TD Chris G. And don't forget to subscribe to our brand new YouTube channel. That is Lockdown VGK. We are at Lockdown VGK on Twitter. Thanks for making us your first listen each and every day. This podcast free and available wherever you get your podcast. And Chris, uh, top of the morning to you. Uh, what is the status currently? Uh, we'll talk about this of Mark Stone, Nolan Patrick, Nick Haig, and uh, Laurent Brassois heading into the preseason camp. Uh, so yesterday we saw where Elliot Friedman of Sportsnet, he uh, dropped some valuable information on his podcast. Let's start off with Nick Haig. Nick Haig, the, he said, uh, Friedman had said that he was skating with VGK but the two sides, both the Hague side and VGK management, are not even close to a deal. He's been skating with players, with other players from VGK. Why would Hague be out there skating unless there's at least some dialogue going on? I think Hague is just trying to do the right thing. I think um, going all the way back to seeing him at the softball game to kind of seeing his little version of the PR tour we alluded to with uh, some other VGKs over the summer, Riley Smith most notably before he got his contract. I really think that he wants to show he wants to be here. And I think there's uh, some posturing going on too, of course. You obviously uh, want the fans in your court and not pointing the finger at you as much as the team necessarily. So I think there's some PR to this. And I I also truly do think Nick Haig does want to be here. He does want to be on the ice. And I mean, why wouldn't he be? This is all he knows as far as professional hockey goes within this organization. But as far as the dollars and cents goes, I mean, I just, for some reason, my gut is telling me he wants more than Zach Whitecloud money. And he's not close to Zach Whitecloud talent. Call it what it is. Yeah. And then there's only some scrap money left. A little over a million dollars last I checked, you know, below the salary cap. So they're going to have to be very creative, you know, in that regard. Oh, don't worry about that, though. Don't worry about the creativity of the salary cap. We got we got that covered, Tony. We'll scratch two, three players. We'll go without an assistant coach. We got that covered. Don't you worry. But the VGK brass just has to look out their window there at City National, and you see Haig right out there, you know, skating with the team. <laughs> hey, I'm here. You know, he wants to stay. Hello, guys. He's, he's up there waving. Hi. <laughs> uh, we have uh, the update on Nolan Patrick. No surprise. You and I have discussed this uh, in, entirely the entire summer, uh, pretty much. And somebody had him on their, their third line. I thought we saw, uh, you know, preseason, which we never could understand. I'm not surprised. Uh, Friedman, Elliot Friedman had said uh, that he, there were some rumors circulating that Patrick was going to retire, but why would you retire when you could hang out on the LTIR, perhaps stay in Vegas, who knows, or rehab somewhere else, but you could hang out here and make $1.2 million on LTIR. And uh, and then Friedman you know, also added, well, we've said in, in the past that he would be surprised if we ever see Nolan Patrick with all those head injuries uh, playing ice hockey ever again. No doubt. And first and foremost is the health of him for his sake, his family and everything. And that's the only thing that matters at this point. We certainly hope he can get himself right. And if he gets himself to a point where he can compete again at the, at a world-class level, then, you know, of course he would be a welcome addition to what's, in my opinion, a pretty deep top nine, or even top 12 when you look at our fourth line right now. 
and having the depth in Nolan Patrick, who could slot somewhere in that top 12, would be a very valuable asset to this team. He was the a second overall pick, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he was right up there if he wasn't second. I know that. He was that. picked ahead of Cal McCarr. Oh, yeah, I mean, logic, logically so. <laughs> um, you know, but you, all joking aside, we certainly hope he can get himself right. And that, that's all that matters in this. And our gut was at, at the least we wouldn't see him until the calendar turns. Maybe that was just my very amateur stab at what might happen with him health wise. And maybe even, you know, some type of conditioning stint, uh, at the AHL level as he worked himself back up. I don't know exactly how that works. Uh, something else to add to our salary cap drama, obviously, but you know, we hope he uh, gets himself right and he can be a, you know, a contributor to this team or, you know, anywhere in the NHL down the line. Uh, there was a report, I believe it was Ben goats locally about Mark stone saying that, uh, in conversations, with Bruce Cassidy, Stone will be arriving at camp, but he will have limited practices. Um, we felt as though this would happen, and it might take a while before Mark Stone sees game action. And, uh, I mean, realistically, it could be a couple of months. Who knows? I mean, because we have to just see how his back is is going to react. Of all the things happening right now with all the question marks, Stone is actually, in my opinion, one of the least concerning. Uh, we talked about this maybe three weeks ago now. If Stone is, you know, present for camp and, you know, whether he's out there in full capacity or not, it doesn't matter a whole lot to me. Uh, if he misses the first four or five games, it doesn't matter a whole lot to me either because I do think this team is deep enough at least to start coming out of camp fresh without him so they can have, you know, playbooks and stuff like that and plays set up without him in the lineup and line combinations and things like that. When he went out, you know, somewhat suddenly last year, that obviously put us in a tailspin. But if you have an entire camp where you're setting up lines without him, I do think that would be the team would be in a better spot now than they were at the end of last season. I do think Stone will be back sooner than later. I would not be surprised if he started the season. There's so many, I mean, VGK has had an interesting summer with a lot of things happening, starting with Robin Leonard, of course. And VGK seems pretty keen that this is not a big deal with Stone, meaning he will either be at camp in a you know moderate capacity, be ready for the first game of the regular season or close to it. If this dragged on 10, 12, 15, 20 games into the regular season, you would think after the Robin Leonard situation that the team would handle this differently if there was a possible long-term concern for Stone. I get the concerns we have about how things are communicated through the media and through the fans and stuff like that as far as injuries and stuff goes, but I'm buying right now at least. Right now, hopefully we'll, we'll keep that going, but I'm buying for the moment that uh, Mark Stone will be out sooner than later, somewhere inside the first, I'll say, six games of the regular season. He'll be on the ice, if not from day one. Okay, so who fills in on that top line for Mark Stone? Uh, my gut reaction would be Nick Wah. Um, yeah. But again, I don't got Mark Stone on the top line. So I, I th- honestly, I prefer Eichel, Marchessault, Kessel, and then having line two being a nice kind of hybrid defensive attacking line that features Stevenson, Stone, and Riley Smith. But either way, I think if Stone is out, I do think uh, Nick Wah is probably the first person to make his way up to that line. Okay, you uh, alluded to goaltending. We know Robin Leonard is out. We know that it's going to be Logan Thompson and Hill, uh, the two goaltenders. And Laurent Brossois 
We never ha- we didn't have him on our bingo card as being in the picture, you know, when camp started. And now we finally find out, I think it was Ben Goats as well, who said that it's been a hip injury. And so hip injuries, as we know, with Robin Leonard, um, if he had to have surgery, take a long time to heal. Uh, it's unbelievable that Leonard has two hip surgeries. Incredible, right? Uh, just falling apart. But, yeah, let's talk about Laurent Brossois. And so they will start the season with Thompson and Hill. Those will be your two goalies as anticipated. Yeah, I mean, again, not a whole lot of concern about that. We knew when Hill was signed that something was happening. They weren't signing Hill because Brassois was going to be ready or close to ready at the start of the season. I think that was a given when that signing happened. Uh, They weren't going to have a three-headed monster that possibly left Logan Thompson going back to the AHL. I don't think that was ever the intent, but the team was kind of weird about Brassois, about his timing and such, and clearly he's not going to be ready to start the season. I don't think he's going to be ready to start the season anytime soon, or I think they would have rolled the dice with Logan Thompson and, you know, whatever conglomerate of uh, Hutchinson or Patera or even Seville at this point, just You're to gonna sneak get him by for a couple of games. Yeah, come hell or high water, you want Hutchinson in that lineup. I know you do. Hutchinson, I mean, listen, it was, okay, so when the Blackhawks were, segment one, we're going off the rail, folks, this is how it is right now, and when the Blackhawks beat the Philadelphia Flyers, I believe it was the 2010 Stanley Cup final, Michael Layton was the goalie, and he's probably, when the season started, fourth or fifth on the depth chart. He was not the starting goalie that year, so you never know how things can shake out, you know, in, in, in the season and such, so who knows? Maybe Hutchinson does have a, a role and plays 18 games at the NHL level. I don't think that would be um, necessarily a good thing for the team if that happens, but you just never know, Tony. And I know we're kind of kidding, but I'm kind of not in the same breath. You just don't know. You just don't know the way things are going to go, and it's the unknown. And, I mean, three years ago, who really knew a lot about Logan Thompson? Right. Yeah, it's pretty interesting there, and we'll have to find out what happens. First exhibition game will be on Sunday. Uh, and like we said before, you go into camp, they arrive on Wednesday, Thursday, VGK's on the ice for the first time, allegedly, of course, they snuck in practices and all that. We won't go there illegally. Uh, and then, you know, and then we go right into We just jump right into the preseason, which is really kind of cool. Uh, coming up next, we will talk about the rookie faceoff. It's over. Now we want to try to find out which players will be invited to VGK's camp out of uh, the rookie class. Stay tuned. More after this on Lockdown Golden Knights. BetOnline.net is your fastest, your easiest way to check in on all of your sports betting needs. You can find your favorite sports all the time and events right there at the number one online source for odds, for lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL coming up, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting scores and podcasts they have you covered across the board go to bet online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action bet online where the game starts welcome back from las vegas tony cardasco chris Golick here and chris uh, the golden knights fell to one one and one in the rookie faceoff, not that that matters anything, but they lost to the Ducks yesterday, four to three. Uh, do you have an overall assessment of the rookies in this rookie class? And 
What do you think VGK was trying to get out of this rookie face-off? I'll start by the answer to your question about where they're trying to get out. And it's the same thing that every team is trying to get out, whether they're doing inner, inner, you know, scrimmage type games, inner squad games, just visibility. Visibility is all that matters. And it's kind of like I would compare to the NFL training camp. The players beat the crap out of each other for two weeks. And then some of the teams do the uh, inter squad type things, not inner squad, but where they have another team that they practice against usually features a couple of brawls along the way. We certainly catch all those on ESPN and such. And this is kind of the same thing because when you're playing against, you know, your own, your own teammates, your own blood, so to speak, it's different. Now, when you're playing against players, whether you're practicing or at the game level, now everything is taken to the next level. And you want to just get a taste of what these players have because uh, it's it's all different. I mean, I'll just give you a very amateur perspective about me. I, I'm a, I'm a, it's been a while, but I'm a somewhat competitive bowler at times. By somewhat competitive, I simply mean I hate to go to sunset and practice. I hate practicing. If I'm in a league where you just pay your 15 or 20 bucks and you're done, fine, you know, whatever. But the leagues I enjoyed are the ones where, you know, you have another 50 or 100 bucks in side action up for grabs and you're doing some gambling amongst each other and talking some smack. That's when it, for me, it goes to another level and I really enjoy doing it taking that to what we're talking about here right now, people and players can go to a different level once they see another sweater on the ice against them. So I think that's the biggest thing they want to see is just unlock the player's potential, you know, what their potential is and what their competitiveness is, because at the end of the day, that's what matters even more than the practice. Of course, the practice is important. You play like you practice or you take the Allen Iverson approach, of course, to practice and go from there. But at the end of the day, what matters is when you are competing on the ice, what you bring to your team. Um, as far as, you know, who we might see coming to the camp, I don't know how many players can possibly make this team at that level. Uh, Korzak, Raswan, those are obviously the headliners. And I think Seville are, is probably the third goalie that would probably come in just at least to get reps because we don't have Brassois. Yeah, Michael Hutchinson definitely. can stay in Henderson. I said <laughs> I Hutchinson was again just for because your Hutchinson I had to get Hutchinson take. in there. I knew so, you were going to slide him in. Yeah, are you his agent? What's that? I'm are not you his agent? agent? No, 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 I'm not his hey, agent. I'm not hey, his agent, although so, I'd be a good... So you mentioned those two players. Yes, those are the two odds-on favorites. Caden Korzak played very well, and I liked his pairing with Leighton Ahak. Uh, do you think that he perhaps he might get an opportunity... Um, if things go south, you know, there with Nick Haig, as we discussed, uh, Korzak, I think, would be a suitable replacement. But I just really like the way that pair, the, the way they played uh, in, in, in the rookie camp and, and such. And then uh, Lyndon McCallum also played well, had another goal yesterday. And there's a guy that I thought came on. And when the opportunity was there, I think he might have cashed in. What about those two players? Everything you said, I mean, it, it makes sense. And Nick Haig is the certainly uh, the wild card, poor Vegas pun, but he's the he's the wild card right now that we kind of got to wait and see how that whole situation plays out. And if Haig isn't there, then, you know, you bump everybody up a notch and everyone is that much closer. Uh, Korzak certainly, I think, would be in the driver's seat. Um, you know, I'm, I'll say it again. I'm excited for the Silver Knights this year. I really am. VGK seems pretty deep uh, on all fronts right now for their forwards and their defensemen. And there's a lot of reinforcements at the Henderson level that can 
Hopefully we don't need to see as many as last year, but if we do, you know, starting with decision, all the games decision played, right? Um, not a lot on as far as stats goes, but someone that seemed to do everything right while he was on the ice. And I think uh, someone like that will get rewarded, you know, if they do plug more, log more games at the NHL level, or you look at decision to possibly even, uh, you know, lead the Silver Knights in a lot of different aspects this year. Yeah, and I don't think we saw very much of Bruce Cassidy's system in the rookie faceoff. I think, you know, we just saw a little bit where, again, they were just working on technique, and then they also were working on clogging the neutral zone. Is the only thing, really, uh, that I got out of that. A couple of other interesting wild cards, biggest pun. Um, Ivan Morozov, the KHL yes. player, real interesting, uh, could be up. Uh, Matias Sapovalov. I think, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, of course, the draft selection. And what are, what are your thoughts on those two players um, perhaps showing up, being invited to the VGK camp? Uh, so Pavlov, probably some time away, I would think. I don't know how often. I mean, he's not, he's not touted like obviously the other draft picks and stuff. And who was the first one you said, was it? Uh, Morozov, the KHL guy that you were, yeah, maybe you are a big KHL fan. Are you selling KHL cards these days? <laughs> I don't know if those, I don't know if KHL branded specific cards exist, but that would be interesting. Don't get me wrong. I mean, starting you know, hoarding them. No, I'm, uh, I don't got a call. I mean, I, I pulled a lot of Pavel Dorofiev's out of Upper Deck Series 2 and stuff, but that's, you know, that's uh, no <laughs> longer the fan. KHL side, but yeah. Um, but, I mean, the KHL is a world-class league. I know we're, we're kind of chuckling, but, you know, in the same breath, it is obviously a world-class league. And, you know, I mean, I would be curious if they ever – all right, Tony, here we go. What if we ever matched up, like, like a best-on-best best KHL versus AHL? Like, make that like uh, like how MLS does the All-Star mm-hmm. games where it's – um you know, the MLS doing like a friendly against a major uh, a major powerhouse team or something like that. I wonder how if you took a couple of the top AHL teams against a couple of the top KHL teams, how that whole thing would play out. It would be pretty interesting. Of course, <laughs> rink size, if you did home and home, of course, KHL teams would probably win there and then AHL teams. So who gets home ice advantage? How do you determine that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Must, uh, must win the series by two. There you go. And then, you know, we saw they did play both goalies, by the way, in the game uh, yesterday against Anaheim, Isaiah Seville and Jesper Vickman. And Seville, I think, has the advantage there as mm-hmm. far as the pecking order now. Yeah, I'm looking forward to Seville. I've enjoyed um, I've enjoyed just simply watching his growth at the AHL level right now. And you know, maybe he's on the Logan Thompson uh, path right now, a couple of years in the HL level, you know, a guy you really haven't heard a whole lot about. And then boom, here he is. And then, you know, all of a sudden next season, two years down the road, he's knocking on the door. Who knows? Yeah. And this will be his first AHL full season right. in the AHL. Coming up next, we've got some odds and ends to discuss more for this on Lockdown Golden Knights. Welcome back on Locked On Golden Knights. Thanks for making us your first listen each and every day. And make sure you check out our YouTube channel at Locked On VGK. Tony Cardasco, Chris Golick here in Las Vegas. Chris is, uh, has had a death in the family. Condolences to you and your family. And uh, you're headed to Chicago for about a week. And hopefully we can fill in some gaps. And, yeah, that hat, I don't know if I could fill in with that hat, though. Uh, we did have uh, uh, some news breaking out of the NHL this morning. Zidane Charo, one of the greatest defensemen. I love the way they – this is a Canadian uh, article. Defenseman, D-E-F-E-N-C-E, 
M-E-N. Not defense man, defense men. One of the greatest defense men or defense man ever in the history of the NHL, Daniel Charles, retiring after 24 seasons. And I'd have to believe that he and Bruce Cassidy have crossed paths in the past. No doubt. Um, I'm, I'm just sorry I'm looking away, folks, but um, there was a story, and I, I've mes- mentioned this a couple different times, but Chara, let's see, during the 05-06 season, last season before um, with Ottawa, before he went to Boston, he actually went to the coaching staff with a proposal to play a full 60-minute game. Like, that's just the one thing that I am, you know, taking into effect right there, like that statement. But he was serious. Like, I've heard this on a couple different news outlets, and I want to dig a little bit deeper and maybe just, uh, you know, at least share that on our Twitter account or something like that. But that's just the type of warrior this guy was. And just watching him on the ice, like, I guess the biggest thing about Chara that kind of gets me is, Listen, you don't want to fight the dude, number one. You know, so many up-and-comers have tried to take him on, and every now and then someone gets a shot in on him. But, like, he takes it easy in the fights. Like, when he has the clear-cut advantage, like, you see him actually slowing down. And he'll even pat the players on the back. He'll stop. Like, he'll know he's got the person just beaten to a pulp, but they're still standing toe-to-toe, and he'll just stop and kind of look at the refs and and, and stuff like that. And, you know... Kind of like the the Rocky Four, um, you know, Ivan Drago type uh, side of him as far as tough as nails, tough as, as could be. But he also did, at least in the late, latter portion of his career, did show some tendency to kind of uh, wear out as the season progressed and late into the playoffs. But, I mean, so what, right? Just an amazing warrior and someone that I I haven't seen him a whole lot, I don't think, just the stars in the line to bring him to T-Mobile. I don't know how often I saw him back in my days of uh, enjoying the Blackhawks, but super fun player. He did retire officially a, a Bruin. He signed the one-day year con- or the one day contract, so that's a good thing. But it also wouldn't surprise me if uh, we did hear from him again some point this season because he's, he's just that, uh, that type of human, you know? Yeah. After 25 seasons of professional hockey, 1,680 NHL regular season games, 200 Stanley Cup playoff games. That's crazy right there. You can stop right there. <laughs> he 200 said, yeah. Stanley Cup games. And he Amazing. said hundreds of international games. I'm proud to announce my decision to retire. He's gonna. That's going to be a painful retirement. No doubt, Tony. No doubts. You know, some of these guys leave, you know, with their health. Uh, yeah, he's going to be pretty much banged up. Can so you- uh, congratulations to him. A couple of VGK players, uh, well, a couple of targets, I'd say, that VGK we thought might have on the radar uh, signed in the off season. Um, and you and I were talking about them in our list, but um, you had uh, Rodriguez, right. Uh, who signed with, uh, who do you sign with uh, Colorado, right. Evan Rodriguez. And then Sonny Milano, Sonny Milano yesterday um, with a, a deal where he's just going to have a PTO Um a tryout basically with Calgary and I has VGK had many or any of these type of players that they bring in for the professional tryout because I don't recall I don't recall any no I mean the first thing that I'm going to are players that were like um like you know like a Nikita Gusev but that was a you know a signing out of the KHL and stuff back to the KHL again of course um I don't think we've signed anyone to a PTO. That would be an interesting uh, dig, I guess you can say. But I'm trying to think off the top of my head. 
And I honestly don't recall if we have signed anyone specifically on on a PTO. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if uh, we did, you know, try and scratch that lottery ticket a couple of times, but I got nothing. Yeah, no, I was just wondering that uh, when I saw that yesterday, because I don't recall anyone now ever being signed, but Milano, we thought, you know, could fit in here, uh, could be a fit. Uh, And when you come in at that level, it's not going to be a big uh, contract. It's going to be a low budget contract, right? That he'll sign. I guess. I mean, that's, that's such a unique situation. And, you know, it's, um, I I, I don't know. Um, I guess the bigger question that I would have is what is the shuffle if Nick Haig does start the season without a contract and then part B, which very rarely happens, um, if he doesn't get signed, I believe it's by December 1st, then basically he's off the books until next season. And then all of a sudden that frees up whatever monies that were allocated to him to possibly do something else with. And, you know, like I saw, there's a trade announcement for, the, for your, for your Rangers yesterday. Uh, Lundquist was shipped off yesterday and not that Lundquist, the, the defenseman Lundquist, defenseman, of course, yeah. but um, Nils Lundquist. But, you know, I, like I saw a trade update. I'm like, I saw a defenseman. I'm like, what happened? But it wasn't, uh, wasn't VGK. Um, just going back to Chara. Could you imagine this is for my, my beer league uh, heroes out there, of course, showing up to beer league, whatever re- level it is. And here comes Chara and Yammer Yager with their skates over their bag and holding their stick, you know, walking with a tall boy or something like that to play against you. What would go through your mind? I think it would be a lot of fun, right? Oh God, it'd be great. It would be, it would be, it'd be remarkable. Wasn't it, wasn't it Patrice Bergeron? I thought I saw something yesterday where, uh, Bergeron uh, showed up at a high school and went out there and skated with a bunch of high school kids. That doesn't surprise me one bit. There are all sorts of stories like that where players just kind of do, you know, show up randomly, whether it's to a, you know, like you said, like a high school or, I mean, how many times do we hear about Marc-Andre Fleury in his neighborhood, you know, either down in Southern Highlands or when he was up in Summerlin and stuff, just, you know, pulling over the car and playing, uh, you know, playing some uh, street hockey with the kids and stuff like that, you know, stuff like that is fun. And, you know, and what's probably more fun are, are the stories we don't know about, to be honest with you. But the ones that we do hear about, that's fun. It's exciting. And it's an absolute, uh, I mean, when my kid gets to take the ice with Derek England, I mean, you know, little things like that. It's unannounced. We had no idea. And all of a sudden we have our uh, most famous VGK retired alum, you know, out there coaching my, my kid out there. It's awesome. Yeah. Uh, yesterday we also got from betonline.ag the odds for the first NHL coach firing or resignation and Bruce Cassidy 66 to one as it's as is Gerard Gallant uh oh wow now I gotta check on DeBoer let me do that in a moment but at the top of the list uh Sheldon Keefe from Toronto yeah <laughs> Dave Haxall from Seattle um Dallas Eakins from Anaheim at 15 to 2 Peter Lavalette 8 to 1 uh you know I went where's Torset take... where, where, where's Torset's that's who, yeah. And so I did tweet out. I don't. I know you've been real busy, but I did tweet out that he's eighteen to one. Oh, Tortorella, and that, that's great value. Let's go all in on that bet. Yeah, I mean that or the Toronto coach. I think is interesting because Toronto they are on such eggshells up there. That has to be such um, a weird environment, just given the roster that they have and the fact that they you know can't escape that first round. Edmonton finally had a little run, so I think. Uh, the coach up there is safe. Uh, the Seattle coach, I actually like 
that bet right there because right Seattle the first year was hey we're here you know what happens what happens they were not competitive by any means but they're getting their feet wet and now they're making some moves and I think the transition in Seattle is actually starting a little bit earlier than most anticipated to become a competitive team possibly as early as this year depending on um, how some of the rookies and uh, their you know year one prospects uh, develop so if they're ready for um, the next step is the the current Seattle coach the one who is their long-term target to take them to the next level? That would honestly possibly be my jaw, not jaw, my my uh, knee-jerk reaction to bet right there. Okay, so Pete DeBoer, I'm one of those people that thinks that things are not going to go fantastic, especially at the start in Dallas. He's 50-1 to 1, uh, to be the first coach fired. Not going to happen this season, folks. Uh, but I'm just curious to see how things go. He does have he does have a goalie. <laughs> things are set there uh, with Jake Ottinger, but Dallas is a real interesting case, and I'm just curious, very curious to see how that team does. I don't think they're going to be a Stanley Cup contender in year one for Pete DeBoer. So Pete DeBoer's track record is what's important here. Teams, when he first goes there for his first year, make deep runs. I think uh, two Stanley Cup finals appearances. And then with the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, made it to the the conference finals. So I think he'll have a successful season one. If you're going to handicap it based off of his recent success, he should go to the final four, theoretically. He should go to the conference finals and, and possibly the Stanley Cup finals. And, you know, Dallas may not be a team that you think of initially that could be that type of juggernaut but you know that that top line right uh was Rupe Hintz uh J-Rob they got a lot of quality defensemen they got Ottinger Pavelski is still there too I mean that team could do something and um was there another San Jose transplant that went down there or no besides DeVore I can't remember off the top of my head but either way I mean that team could do something uh Colorado is going to be the biggest problem obviously they're going to face being in that division um and Nashville is a very under-the-radar team that has improved greatly. They're anchored still by uh, Roman Yossi, obviously, on the defensive side. But, you know, Dallas, they got their they got their work cut out for them. It's not going to be like the Pacific where, you know, you have maybe a couple, you know, higher-level powerhouse teams, and there's a lot of questions after that. you got a lot to deal with right now in the Central on the top side. And, you know, it's, it's tough knowing your probably best-case scenario is uh, WC1, WC2. Oh, yeah, Steve Spott is there. In Dallas, too. He took the assistant coach with him, Steve Spot. I mean, that's how it goes. That's, okay. that's how it goes. All right. I'm going parading tonight. I, there was a longer parade. You, you, you don't. You don't need uh, your walking shoes, at least. Sorry. There was a. There was a longer parade for the Summerlin. The route for the Summerlin Little League team had a much longer route. Ooh. 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 <laughs> Oh my goodness! No, Tony's it goes from spicy this morning. Tony, stop, leak, stop leaking what the Friday. Stop leaking what the Friday <laughs> early. The WNBA Las Vegas Aces, their championship parade, in air quotes, because you're listening, if you're watching, I just did them for you. The parade route is from Caesar's Palace to Bellagio. Come on, man, get with it. Uh, yeah, that would be. It's good thing it's not Friday because I'm ready to be triggered. Uh, don't forget uh, to join us again tomorrow. We'll get back. We'll have a parade recap for you even. It's the first day of camp for VGK. Short segment, short segment, short yeah. segment. <laughs> and there we go. Uh, great day. Yeah. Awesome parade. And that's it.
Uh, thanks for making us your first listen each and every day. Uh, we appreciate that. Now make your second listen. Lockdown NHL. Lockdown experts give you that daily 30-minute podcast on all things National Hockey League all year long. Stay up to date on everything in the hockey world. Lockdown NHL, your daily 30-minute podcast available wherever you get your podcast. For my man, Chris Golick, I'm Tony Cardasco. We'll see you tomorrow right here. We'll have the parade recap tomorrow. Uh, Lockdown Golden Knights.